Good morning. John is very kindly allowing me to kick off our new series this morning, which is called Tidings of Comfort and Joy. So I thought I should start by checking that we know what that title means. Tidings. Now that's the word that the angel uses in Luke chapter 2. When some shepherds are huddling in a field, they're probably freezing cold in the middle of the night, and suddenly an angel of the Lord appears among them and says, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. So tidings, that means news. What about comfort and joy? What do they mean to you? If we were in church at this point, I'd be inviting people to shout things out. What does comfort mean to you? So why don't you shout some words at your screen? To me, the ideas that comfort conjures up are warmth, safety, security, a hand on my shoulder, something wrapped around me. In fact, to me, comfort is something rather like this, a blanket wrapped around me. And then we have that word joy. What does that mean? I thought of a few images. Radiance, smiling, happy, beaming, joy, overflowing. So that's the title of our new sermon series. Good news of warmth and security and happiness, comfort and joy. Then I thought I'd better look at the hymn those words come from, the carol. So here it goes. God rest ye merry gentlemen, or women, may nothing you dismay, for Jesus Christ our Saviour was born on Christmas Day. Now, apparently, God rest ye merry gentlemen has been much misunderstood. Apparently, it doesn't mean, all you merry gentlemen, you can go off now and have a good rest. Apparently, the words, God rest you merry, actually mean, may God grant you peace and happiness. That's the Oxford English Dictionary's take on it anyway. Other sources claim that actually God rest you merry means God make you mighty. So the carol is starting off with God make you mighty, gentlemen or women. May nothing you dismay. And that's when it hit me, that word dismay. Has anything dismayed you this year? Have you, have you been frankly unable to believe what's been happening? Just think if someone had told you in February that your child's school was about to be shut for 164 days. If someone had told you that, you'd have said, no way. No government's ever going to allow that. They're not going to direct that. Not the British government. And then if someone had said, oh, and you're going to be forbidden to hug your mother, even touch her. If you want to see her, you're going to have to, you know, look through a window at her. You're going to be forbidden to go on holiday, forbidden to make a living. Forbidden even to sunbathe in a park? Dismay. I looked that word up and what I found was alarm, shock, surprise, distress caused by something unexpected, anxiety, fear. Doesn't that pretty much sum up how we felt in 2020? But within that, we are told good news. Be mighty, be strong, let nothing you dismay. Remember, Jesus Christ, our Saviour, was born on Christmas Day. 
This morning, I want to look mainly at our reading from Romans, but I cannot overlook those beautiful words from Isaiah. Now, you may be thinking you'd heard those words somewhere before and you would be right. They're an exact copy of words also found in Micah. And they are so memorable, setting out a vision of God's vision, this wonderful image that something is going to come out of Zion. The mountain of the Lord's house will be raised above the other hills. People from all over the world will stream there to worship. It's the first indication we have that this new thing God's going to do isn't just for the people of Israel. It's going to be for the world. And then it talks of a time when people are so confident that they're living in peace that they don't even feel the need to own a sword anymore. They can throw their swords away. They can upcycle them, repurpose them as plowshares because they're so confident that peace is here to stay. Imagine that, a world where no country needs to maintain an army. And then, for some reason, I thought of face masks. Imagine a world where we were so confident that COVID was a thing of the past that we felt able to throw our masks away. I tried to work out how we could repurpose our mountains of face masks, but to be honest, I drew a bit of a blank. If you do have any ideas, let me know. Now, I'm pretty sure that Isaiah wasn't thinking about face masks when he had that prophecy. But I think the principle holds true. We need to get ready because something is coming. We've been in darkness, but it's not going to last forever. God has a plan and it's a wonderful plan for something new, whether that be a post-COVID era or the coming of Christ. Be ready. And we have that same message, that same feeling in our reading from Romans. We're three quarters of the way through Paul's letter here. And this bit occurs in a section about the most important commandment, love your neighbour as yourself. This is all the more urgent, Paul writes, for you know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. And you know, it is undoubted that the end of the current pandemic is nearer now than it was when it started. We have been living in dark times, but change is coming. Be ready. But how should we ready ourselves? Paul offers us some clues. Remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armour of right living. I thought about shining armour. It's shining so others see it, it stands out. It gives us the idea of being ready for battle. It also protects whoever wears it. But what does Paul mean exactly? He goes on to say, we must live decent lives for all to see. Don't engage in drunkenness and envy and strife. Above all, clothe yourselves with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the Isaiah passage, it says, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Clothing ourselves with the presence of Christ. Paul uses this sort of language elsewhere. In Galatians 3.27, he writes, all who have been united in Christ in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. That sounds like the image I had earlier when thinking about comfort, clothing ourselves with the presence of Christ. 
it will protect us, it will comfort us, and it will enable us to be ready for whatever God wants us to do. Let's listen to how this uh, text reads in the message. But make sure that you don't get so absorbed and exhausted in taking care of all your day-to-day obligations that you lose track of the time and doze off oblivious to God. The night is about over, dawn is about to break. Be up and awake to what God is doing. God is putting the finishing touches on the salvation work he began when we first believed. We can't afford to waste a minute, must not squander these precious daylight hours in frivolity and indulgence, in sleeping around and dissipation, in bickering and grabbing everything in sight. Get out of bed and get dressed. Is that a word for someone watching this morning? I don't know. Don't loiter and linger, waiting until the very last minute. Dress yourselves in Christ and be up and about. Now, I love the message, but I do think it's good to read it alongside other uh, other translations. But that point about don't wait until the very last minute is interesting, isn't it? The thing is, we're in a time of waiting and waiting goes both ways. You know how sometimes you're waiting for something and the wait is so incredibly longer than you ever expected and you're just driving you mad but I wonder if you've ever encountered the opposite for example um, you're sitting in an airport do you remember airports they're these places where planes took off from we used to go to them and on the departure board it says you have a three hour delay and you're like I can't believe this what are we going to do three hours terrible start to my holiday and you go off and you're queuing in a restaurant or something just ordered your food probably and then suddenly another announcement comes and they found a plane from somewhere and you have to get to the gate really fast and you're pleased but you're in a flap and it's all disorienting because you weren't expecting this you were expecting to still have another three hours sitting around or it's you know it's happened to me you go to a medical appointment say you go to a hospital and you go equipped to wait for hours, you take a variety of reading material and your snacks and your your drink and your phone and everything you could possibly think of, and you've just sat there and sat, got it all set up around you, and then a nurse comes and calls your name, calls your name, and you're like, "What are you talking about? I haven't read my book yet. I'm not ready. I wasn't expecting to be called so soon." It can happen both ways. Waits can be longer than we expected. They can be shorter than we expected, but either way, we need to be ready for when the wait ends. Now, I believe the Lord wants us to be using this unusual time, this odd time, to prepare. Jesus talked about the need to be ready in the parable of the ten young women waiting to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were equipped with enough oil for their lamps. The other five weren't. And so they were off at the shops buying more oil when the bridegroom arrived. Now, I believe Jesus wants us to be ready for whatever he's going to do post-COVID. But I also think he wants us to be ready now with an encouraging word next time we bump into someone in the street. A lot of people need a friendly word right now. And we need to be prepared to stop for them, to be tuned into what the Lord might want to do for them through us. One of the themes that came out of the What is Church series we've just had 
is that so many of us are longing for revival. There's a strong feeling that we don't want things just to go back to how they were before. But the message we also heard is that it's not about us sitting around waiting for the church to change and then us jumping on board with it. It's about us changing. Change starts with us. We need to be humbling ourselves, praying, asking God to show us what he wants us to do to serve our local community, to help in healing our land. We need to be taking off our old clothes, getting rid of those unhelpful habits, putting on the light of Christ. How are we going to do it? Well, as ever, I think there are two answers to that. One way is we can try to do it in our own strength. We can resolve, right, I'm going to try really, really, really hard to get rid of whatever habit or attitude is holding me back. I'm going to be more Christ-like. I'm going to do this. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to try really, really hard. And that's exhausting. Alternatively, we could ask for God's help. Let me tell you about something which happened to me last week. Many of you know Ashburnham. We've been there for church weekends away and they're holding, running a monthly praise and prayer um, evening via Zoom. So as part of that, they offer breakout rooms for individual prayer. And so it came to be that last Monday night, I, for the first time ever, entered a Zoom breakout room to be prayed for. And it was wonderful. Now, it's always a little bit weird when you enter a breakout room on Zoom. You're never quite sure who's going to be there, who's going to pop up on the screen. But lo and behold, there was a lovely lady waiting there, ready to pray for me. She asked me a bit about myself. She said, shall we pray? And she did pray. The Holy Spirit came and it was beautiful, just like it used to be on the Sunday morning when we prayed for each other in the side chapel. Do you remember those times? And then this lady picked up her Bible and said, I think this is what the Lord is saying to you. And I just realised how much I had missed that. Prayer ministry is a powerful thing, but we need to be intentional about getting it. It's so easy, isn't it, just to, to pray for people's knees and backs and that their child gets a place in school. And those are good things. But how often do we pray, Holy Spirit, fall on this person, equip them, use them, Lord, help them to hear your voice. Last week, I realised that A, we need to be doing this for each other and B, prayer via Zoom works. It also works via FaceTime and WhatsApp video and audio and even conventional telephone. We should not be held back from praying for each other by the fact we can't meet in person. So my challenge to you is this next week, please. Just get together with someone, virtually, of course. Message someone, say, let's do this. Let's pray for each other. Honestly, it can be 10 minutes just saying, Lord, I bring my friend before you. Please bless them. Please equip them for whatever work you have for them. Please provide for them. Please surround them with your comfort and joy. Ask for some words of encouragement for them. That's allowed. Ask for God's help and getting rid of those dirty clothes that are unhelpful. Because we can't do it in our own strength. We need to use this time of waiting, and use it well. 
Shall I pray for us as we end? Father, we don't know what the coming months are going to look like. We don't know what sort of Christmas we're going to have this year. But dear Lord, what we do know is that the hope that we have in you. Exciting things are coming and I pray that you will show us how to get ready. And Father, I pray that through the coming weeks we will be overwhelmed with your comfort and your joy. We thank you for the good news, the glad tidings of the birth of your son, Jesus Christ. And we pray this in his great name. Amen.